everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Okay. Hello and welcome to this episode of the EC Method podcast slash live if you're watching live. I am very wet from my morning walk which shockingly in Scotland that was raining and didn't bring any kind of waterproof clothing and for some reason I still haven't changed which uh, I just sit here in my wet clothes. Um, okay before I start with the questions I did a post this morning which I mean, I thought it was actually quite interesting. So I'm going to talk about that first. Um, and that was about, it's a really cool study or I guess resource that they do a lot of studies on called the National Weight Control Registry. And from this big pool of data, they can extrapolate things like common behaviors of people who have successfully lost weight. So the four most common behaviors of people who successfully lost weight are, and maybe I'll go through each of them and explain them a little bit. So 78% of people who successfully lost weight ate breakfast every day. Now, does that mean, remember this is correlation, not causation, as in eating breakfast doesn't mean that you will lose weight. Obviously you can not eat breakfast and lose weight, or you can eat breakfast and gain weight or not lose weight. However, it's probably something to do with maybe the consistency of meals, maybe starting your day with a bit of a positive, maybe not getting too hungry and then overeating later in the day, which is a pattern that you see quite a lot. And that tends to manifest as people saying, I really don't eat that much. Like I normally don't even have time for breakfast. And then at lunchtime, like I just grab something really quickly, but I don't have time for that either. And then when you kind of tease it out, they're like, and then I massively overeat at night. And you're like, yeah, of course you do, because you've massively over-restricted during the day. And if you push something one way, it's going to swing back the other way. So that's maybe why eating breakfast is usually a habit which is associated with successful long-term fat loss and maintenance. The second thing is that they weigh themselves at least once a week, which is quite interesting I guess even at maintenance and I i mean the simple part of that would be what gets measured gets managed to an extent so if you're aware of these things a very interesting study that I think I've spoken about before is one that shows that even weighing yourself without knowing the weight impacts your behaviors for the rest of the day and means that you are more successful at fat loss so by that I mean they had three groups of people one group didn't weigh themselves at all. One group got in the morning, got up in the morning, weighed themselves first thing. And the other group got up in the morning, weighed themselves first thing, but didn't see the number on the scale. So they were still weighing themselves, but they didn't see the number. And both of the weighing groups got better results and there wasn't a difference between them. And I guess that's the important part. It's not necessarily the number. It's more to do with the behaviors behind that. So I get up every day and the first thing I do is weigh myself which is in line with my fat loss goal so I'm kind of getting up and reminding myself I have this goal 
And I think that's probably the important part. And, and so if you're someone who's like, I really don't like the scales or I really don't want to weigh myself, you have to think, what's the underlying mechanism behind weighing myself every day that means that most people who do that tend to maintain their weight better and it's the reminder every morning that you're on a fat loss journey if that's your thing or you want to maintain your body weight if that's your thing whatever your goal might be it's like the morning reminder of the goal so it might not be that you use the scales to do that you could get up every morning and repeat a few mantras to yourself or do a morning routine which I'm a massive fan of like if you get up every morning and you do even like 10 press-ups you're reminding yourself that, hey, I mean, whatever your goal is might not be fat loss, but it might be getting stronger. It might be improving your health. It might be these behaviors are important to me. And I want to I want to act in line with my goal of health today. And I'm doing that by starting my day with an action that's in line with that goal. And then this is probably my favorite one because I don't have a TV, but 62% of people watch less than 10 hours of TV per week. So 10 hours would be like, I guess the equivalent of like two hours a day, which is still, you know, quite, you could still watch a whole hour of TV a day and be under that. But I guess it's the the consistent binge watching. Anyway, that's probably quite self-explanatory that they're spending less time watching TV and thus more time probably doing more active things because you're probably most inactive while you're watching TV. And then 90% of people on average exercise for one hour per day, which I thought was A, a very high percentage, and B, every day for an hour is, you know, a lot, a lot of exercise. And then I thought, okay, what's the un- underlying mechanism here? Because we know that even, even an hour of exercise where your focus is burning as many calories as possible which I don't think it should be but if that was your focus it still wouldn't have that much impact on energy balance so I think it's partly the mindset because we know that when you exercise you tend to eat better and then I was thinking that potentially and this has come up a few times with clients recently it's the what's the right term I'll just call it reduction of hunger effects of exercise as in it reduces your hunger levels or increases I wouldn't say increases satiety because you've not eaten anything but it reduces your hunger levels for a period of time after now you might be thinking oh but I'm pretty sure you and Chloe have also said that exercise increases hunger and yeah it does as well it's quite confusing it's never that simple but for most people which was quite surprising when I looked into the research for this most people exercise actually reduces your hunger not increases your hunger at least short term now I think on a more and it's harder to study this but on a more chronic level if you are chronically exercising at a higher point or at you're doing more exercise then your hunger levels will increase because your energy expenditure is higher if you look short term you'll probably notice on your rest days you are more hungry and there's numerous reasons that this could be one it could be that I don't know, let's say you normally train after work. Now, instead of coming home from work and sorry, instead of going to the gym, you're coming straight home from work, which means you've got more time kind of chilling out at home when you would most likely overeat. So then you kind of feel hungrier, but it could be to do with boredom or just lack of distraction. And then secondly, I think it's this impact of hunger on, sorry, exercise on hunger. Um, Lauren, Emma, what did they count as exercise? Was it a workout or just walking, et cetera, included? Just interested. So 
Activity was another thing, but that was separate. So they did also note that people who maintain their weight are more active, but that was separate to exercise. So this is actually talking about exercise as opposed to just walking. Not that just walking isn't good exercise, but I guess you'd class it more under activity levels. Terry, morning, Emma, just back from the world's slowest 5K run. Well done. Featuring a stop at Boots, a stop to chat to my neighbour and a stop to take a picture of a rabbit under a tree. Oh, can we see the rabbit under the tree, please? Think I might win Edinburgh Half Marathon next May. Yeah, watch out. I was going to say Paul Radcliffe, but I really need to know, you know, a, a more um, <laughs> like someone who actually still runs. Watch out, Ailish McColgan. Kerry's coming for you. <laughs> um Corinne, welcome. Glad that you made the live. Tan Chan, morning. Trained bike this morning, went for a walk and just had porridge. Can I go to sleep now? I mean, yeah, so sounds like a pretty successful day already. I did very similar. Did my little uh, morning walk, got absolutely soaked, ate a protein bar, got a coffee here, doing the live. Like, I think that, that makes up a full day of work, I think. It went to Pure Gym, did a couple of pull-ups. Tends to be what I do in the morning. Is it bad that I keep my Pure Gym membership purely to do some pull-ups in the morning? That's all. Like I don't, never actually go in for anything else. Then I go to a different gym <laughs> to do my actual workout. A little bit weird. Okay, right. I'm getting the questions up because I know we have a few. But I thought that that was quite interesting this morning. Kate's just asking when the live is. It's now, babe. Hopefully you found it. Um, okay, getting... L questions. Oh, okay. Okay, hopefully you are here because here's your question. Oh, it's quite long. You know how I feel about reading long questions. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, oh, Clan Chan and the basic bitch I am got a Starbucks pumpkin mug for myself. Oh, I've not had like a autumnal coffee yet. Maybe that's for today. Okay, Kate's here. Great. Now we can start. <laughs> right. Hi, Emma. Just finished. Uh, just finishing round two of the Easy Method. Again, sign up for round three. As I've said, I'm getting married in December. Woo! Oh my god, that is so soon. So I really want to be looking and feeling the best I can. I'm down two stone. Wow. Despite not being a hundred percent most of the time. Oh, what imperfect action works. Hello. Okay. Um. Mo uh, so I'm getting something right. Hell yeah, you are. Two stone. Bloody hell. Um, I'm all good with the nutrition side, but I'm still struggling to get myself into a decent workout routine. I've always found it best when someone is there telling me and showing me what to do. Learning to work out myself is taking time and I don't know if I'm getting it right half the time. I think I get confused too easily and then end up making myself, making something up if I'm not sure what I'm doing and then not really getting into my group. One, let's say this isn't actually about you but I this reminds me of a uh, something I heard this week and I can't remember where from now but I'm sure it was like some really successful business person on some podcast somewhere but one of his pieces of advice was oh, how did he put it it was way more articulate than this but it was something like stop stop telling yourself you're confused or stop allowing yourself to be confused because normally you're overcomplicating something that's really simple like if you were telling someone else to do it or if you just take a step back and get some perspective like 
does it really matter if you're the angle of the bench is like one notch up for inclined dumbbell press and you're like oh my god I'm so confused I don't know what I'm doing you absolutely do and it really probably doesn't matter I think you probably know I guess my point is you probably know way more than you think and a lot of the time and I mean this in general life not really for this situation it just reminded me we like we tell ourselves that we're confused almost as an excuse not to do something like oh that seems really complicated and confusing and if you were really like okay you have to do this thing what would you do you kind of do know what you're doing like you're actually not that confused but we use confused as a reason not to do something or we're purposely overcomplicating something as a reason not to do something if that's triggering for you it's probably you when I heard it I was a little bit triggered because I was like that's definitely me like am I just making this seem like I do it with my accounts all the time I'm like oh my god it's way too confusing I couldn't possibly do it like it's actually not that confusing if you just sit down and start and think what logically what's the simple answer here and a lot of people do that with fat loss oh it's so overwhelming it's so confusing and if you were really like actually if someone else was asking you for advice what would you tell them you're like oh yeah just tell them this this and this you're just massively overcomplicating it and then you get overwhelmed and then you don't take action Kate is like yes this sounds like me yeah like I think most of us do it it's like a normal kind of human trait but it was interesting I wish I could remember the exact way he put it was quite blunt it might have just been like stop fucking telling yourself you're confused or something I would obviously never say that um but it did it did trigger me a little bit and I thought "Mm, I should probably embrace that myself anyway back to your point which is about being confused about the workouts which you're probably not confused about because you just said it sounds like you anyway (laughs) um I'd like to have a simple workout routine that I know I can do three to four times a week that won't make won't take me hours as I'm away as I'm always short on time Due to my perimenopause, I also have have to avoid so many exercises due to pelvic floor. No large compound moves, lifting heavy weights or bearing down. I think I'm failing to find my groove and get into a routine. This leaves me feeling like I'm not working out properly. I feel I should be deadlifting, squatting, etc. But I simply can't right now. So if you can't because your pelvic floor, fine, we avoid those movements. I actually don't do squatting or deadlifts because my back is just not worth it for me. However... And this is something that you should talk to your pelvic floor physio about, and you should definitely get one. Shona did an amazing talk at Level Up, and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing, but she she kind of shared her own story of, I can't remember how, she anyway, basically she said a, a while ago, she started kind of like peeing a little bit when she would deadlift or squat or do double unders. And then it started kind of getting worse. So she went to the doctor about it and they said, oh, you've got a prolapse and kind of like said nothing else and then obviously she went away and googled prolapse and was like oh my god this looks awful but actually when you like define prolapse it's like any small downward how did she define it anyway it's not half as bad as what people think basically like many women have that it's like any kind of downward motion of that general area and it can obviously be very severe but it can not be that severe Anyway, long story short, then she found a good pelvic floor physio and now she has a very strong pelvic floor and she does double unders and she does deadlifts and she does box jumps and she doesn't pee when she does them. Great, right? And I guess the point of this story is don't just succumb to that diagnosis of like, oh, you've got a weak pelvic floor. Let's just avoid these exercises. No, no, no. You've got a weak pelvic floor. Let's work on it so that you can do these exercises if you then choose to. 
So make sure you are working with a pelvic floor physio would be the first point. Anyway, you say with so many different workouts on the app and being a grad, I can't keep up with round three. I'd like to focus on this and try and get myself a set of workouts that I can do and do with confidence that don't compromise my pelvic floor rehab. Oh, great. You're already doing it. Sorry, probably should have finished reading and gets me results. Should I just ignore all the grad workouts and pick the newbie ones? Look to see if I can tweak to avoid lifting, et cetera. Or are we able to look at an option of putting something together that was more suitable for me? I think you'll really like the workouts that Chloe put up that are technically back and knee friendly because they have less free weights in them. And yeah, I think I think they will work very well for you at the moment. And you'll get incredible results doing them. Like if you're pushing yourself, you'll still get incredible results. There are loads of things I can't do. I wouldn't say I get incredible results, but like I still make progress because I'm doing the basics consistently. Like it doesn't need to be fancy. And for the record, like grads workouts aren't inherently harder than newbie workouts. They're just different. And I would say broadly, like workout, you can say, oh, I've got beginner workouts or harder workouts. To an extent, that's true, more to do with the technique than anything else of maybe certain exercises that you would put in. But really, your workout is as hard as you make it. Like, I absolutely die doing the quote unquote newbie workouts. Like, they're freaking hard. If you're lifting as heavy as you can, they're really damn hard. Just as hard as and equally as the, the, grads workouts they're just different because you've already been doing those other workouts for four weeks or eight weeks or however long you're doing them so it's not necessarily like a few this has come up a few times in the group like oh, I don't feel like I'm ready to be a grad yet there's actually no real difference apart from you have some more experience and you've been doing these workouts for a while so you're going to get some new workouts um okay Sarah hi I know this probably sounds absolutely ridiculous oh can't wait but any tips to help my mind catch up with my progress I've lost about 1.3 stone since July wow such incredible results anyway I can obviously see changes on my progress photos I know I'm getting stronger in the gym but I don't really feel better rationally I know the pro the progress is there but I think I'm searching for some light bulb skinnier moment which I know makes me sound totally bonkers sorry for the total ramble this is actually quite common. I would start journaling and I would start. Um, I've spoken about this before, but almost in the opposite direction of where you're at. So a lot of people think that at a certain, like I want to lose weight because I remember when I was 65 kilograms, I was so much happier. And then when you delve into what their life was like when they weighed 65 kilograms and they had way less life stress, they didn't have kids yet they had a a job that they loved but maybe was half as stressful they didn't have a mortgage they didn't have to worry about all these things they didn't have kids to take to football you know they had so much more free time I'm like were you at uni having a great time like oh yeah that that was that but I also weighed 65 kilograms like do we think it might have been everything else in your life and not actually exactly how much you weighed yeah it probably was and it sounds to me like you've kind of got a similar mindset of oh, I'll be so much happier when I've lost weight. And now you've lost the weight. You're like, oh shit, I'm not actually that much happier. And this is maybe a little bit harsh, but it's something else in your life that's not making you happy. So you need to think about what that is. And something that really helps that is writing it down, like journaling, being like, okay, this is my life at the moment. 
what bits do I like? What, what bits don't I like? What would I change? It probably has nothing to do with how much body fat you have and everything to do with everything else. And sometimes you need to lose the body fat to realize that, but it sounds like you're kind of coming, like fat loss doesn't make you necessarily happier is the crux of that um, ramble. Kate, thank you so much, Emma. You're an absolute gem. You are very welcome. Kanchan, tell me to get a grip, but I think I'm creating worry for myself. Is this on the post as well? No, okay. Um, okay, great. Um, I think I'm creating worry for myself. I've not weighed myself in weeks, not tracked my food, but I feel stronger. My lifts are getting good again. I'm enjoying meals out, etc. My clothes feel good. And even though I can see I've put on a little bit of fat, I'm okay with it. But is this the joy of maintenance? I feel like I just start tracking again at the start of the new round. I'm confused. Um, and Lauren said, sounds to me like you're nailing it. Yeah, it sounds to me like you are as well. Like, why would you start tracking again? If you're where essentially exactly where you are now and you're like mm, I've put on a few pounds and I kind of want to rein it in a little bit what you don't want to do is be like now I'm in fat loss again now I'm dieting again now I need to track again now I'm going all the way back to this because it just at least in your head feels like yo-yo dieting what you should do is look at what you're doing at the moment be like cool at the moment on average I'm having like two or three meals out a week let's see if I can cut that down to two or maybe I go do go out for three meals but actually on two of those occasions, I'm pretty sensible with it. And on the other occasion, I kind of like go for whatever I want. So you're choosing your indulgences a little bit more, or you're like, actually, you know what? My breakfast has kind of creeped up in size and I've noticed I'm having way more granola on top of my yogurt that I have for breakfast. Let's just swap that again for more fruit and less granola. Like little changes like that, because you'll notice this, it made sense. Like you do tend to, I had a really interesting application for coaching this week with a woman who mentioned the drift and I was like oh just explain to me what you mean by the drift and I actually think it was such a good way to I guess explain like slowly putting on weight or slowly drifting from where you want to be and she was essentially saying she wants to avoid the drift which is kind of what's happening to you a little bit it's like you almost don't notice it because it's quite slow like you don't just put on 10 pounds of fat overnight you put on you know, maybe half a pound a week. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm actually like five, five pounds more than where actually I kind of want it to be. But because it happens slowly, you often don't really notice it. And then you do feel anyway, like, oh my God, I've just woken up five pounds heavier when actually it's this kind of slow drift. Where was I going with this? I can't remember, but I thought that was quite a good way to put it because I think that is like realistically what does happen with people ah but my point is if you do find you're drifting it's not about then being like right I need to go right back into dieting it's about then just making small little changes so don't tell yourself that you're dieting because that will only make it much harder for you just make a few little shifts just look at what you're doing at the moment be like yeah these are the things I've let slip I'm not getting enough protein anymore I'm eating a little bit more in the evening and my steps have dropped by 2,000 steps right I just need to shift that again cool instead of thinking I need to jump back into dieting or I need to go back to tracking calories that you've worked hard from like moving away from. Chan Chan, you've drifted away. I did drift away slightly, but what did I do? Pulled myself back in, right? So there you go. That's the lesson. That's what I was trying to teach you. Okay, Emma, I feel like I'm talking very fast today. 
Um, I'm just going to slow myself down. Wendy saying, I'm definitely drifting. Well, you know what to do now. Have a little bit of an audit. Sit down, look at what you're doing. This is so common when you've been dieting for more than, honestly, I would say a couple of weeks. At the start, you tend to be pretty strict when nailing everything. And then slowly over time, you kind of start like loosening the reins a little bit. And then you're not actually that close to your initial numbers that you were starting with. So I would have a little look at that. And things that I do encourage that people do, but can cause the drift. So for example, you might track everything religiously for a week or two weeks to the T and be like weighing stuff out. And then I'd probably encourage you not to do that because it takes a lot of time and it's quite boring. But that does mean that portion sizes can kind of creep up without you really noticing. So sometimes having a bit of an audit week of being like, okay, I need to start seeing how much cereal I'm having in the morning again and, and maybe weighing it out even for a couple of days to just get those portion sizes correct again is a good thing to do but it doesn't mean that you have to go back to you know really tracking everything exactly for ages or back to really strict dieting it could just be cool for a couple of days I'm going to make sure that I am really on track and then I'm going to go back to not you know now that I've reset my portion sizes um Wendy that's exactly it I'm on the end of round two and I feel like I've lost focus I need to sign up to round three you do need to sign up to round three you need to do the grad reset you need to do a bit of an audit and then just get focused again. Okay, Emma, posting on here, as you suggested, round one, I lost six kilograms. This round has been a shit show for me. Lovely. I do have some personal stuff going on, but the trigger was definitely comparing pics at the start of round two to the start of round one and not seeing much of a difference. After sending them to you and a little tough love, my steps increased to around 12,000 a day and I've stayed there. I do body pump three times per week and I've been consistent with the new increase in steps. I just can't stick to a deficit. When I track, I go into the effort mentality. When I don't track, I'm worried I'm not in a deficit. So I don't think it's working, then end up in the bucket. Hmm. Okay, so this is definitely a mindset problem. Um, I keep going round and round tracking, not tracking in the bucket every day. I want to sign up to round three, but don't want to waste your time and mine continuing to do the same thing. I know what I need to do is doing it that, that is becoming the problem. Emma, honestly, it sounds to me like you need to just do it for a week. Like literally a week just to get in the routine of it. And it doesn't massively matter if you track or you don't track. I got asked this at an event on the weekend, like, do you need to track to lose body fat? No, you need to be in a deficit to lose body fat. Do you need to track to be in a deficit? No. However, it may, you know, it's one tool that you can use to create a deficit. The other one might just be looking at your portion sizes, being more consistent. What I would do is set, like, if you, the thing is, it, it doesn't look like tracking or not tracking is, makes a huge difference to you. If you find that it is tracking itself, that is leading you to kind of self-sabotage, then we take a different approach. If you think that you're just self-sabotaging anyway, then actually tracking is quite a good and useful tool to make sure that you are in a deficit or that you are eating, and again, it's not perfect, but roughly the calories that, that you think that, that we think that you should be. Um, or you could just sit down for a day, create a few meals that you know you enjoy that are, let's say, 
and this doesn't have to be overcomplicated, right? If you create three breakfasts that you enjoy that are all around three to 400 calories, and then you create three lunches that you enjoy that are all around three to 400 calories, and then you create three dinners that you enjoy that are all around, I don't know, 500, 600 calories, maybe a little bit more, because that's generally how we eat. And then a snack and and kind of like have that fit within your calories, whatever they are at the moment, then you don't need to think about tracking. You just move between those meals and you just get consistent with those things. And I think a little bit of routine and consistency, even for a week, will get the ball rolling for you. And if a week feels like too much, genuinely, I think three days, like get yourself on track for three days, write yourself a bit of a meal plan. There is nothing wrong with meal plans. The issue with meal plans is if we dictate them to you full of foods that you don't enjoy and you feel like the only way you can lose fat is that you have to stick to them. I'm actually quite a big fan of a meal plan if you make it based on what you enjoy and that you understand that the reason that it works is because it's giving you structure and means that you don't have to overthink about food because you've already made that decision once. You make the decision once and then you stick to it. And then you're not making decisions about food when you've got really bad decision fatigue, when you're tired, when you're emotional, when you're hungry, when you're kind of the, the, you're having this conversation in your head like, oh, but you could have this. Oh, but it doesn't really work anyway. Oh, but you always mess up on your diet. Like shut that voice aside and just be like, do you know what? I'm going to stick to this for a week. I've written myself a bit of a meal plan or I've written myself a few options for each meal and I'm going to stick to it for a week do it I bet you will feel better um what's Kerry saying roll on next round crop tops for Christmas oh hell yeah okay Ellie if you only use walking slash running for fat loss and don't do any strength training will you definitely lose some muscle in the process I'm fine and enjoying weight training but can't convince my husband to add gym work to his walk slash run schedule I tell him he'll lose muscle mass, but don't think he believes me. Um, you will, I mean, it's very hard to say for definite because it probably depends on a few things like A, how much muscle you have, B, how much fat you have to lose, C, how big a deficit you're in, how much protein you're eating, all of these things, but will it make it way more likely that you lose muscle mass? Yes. Will you be way healthier, irrespective of fat loss or losing, you know, like irrespective of anything, will you be way healthier if you do some gym work? Yes. Will he look like, will he look better for you? Yes. So, I mean, I would 100% suggest that everybody, if there was one blanket recommendation for everyone, do some resistance training doesn't have to be complicated but when it comes to your husband I would break down the barriers so why doesn't he want to do it does he think it's boring does he not want to go to the gym does he feel intimidated at the gym does he not really know what he's doing and that's why he doesn't want to do it is he like what I was talking to Kate about like is he overcomplicating it is he saying it's confusing as a reason not to do it like what are the barriers that he has and once you know that you can help break those down um okay um okay maggie hi clamus oh wait did i answer this who knows uh, i feel like i did but i'm gonna answer it again just in case i didn't 
Oh, no, wait, no, I think I did. Um, Liz, I'm really struggling to eat meals at the moment. I'm snacking because I can't be bothered to cook slash make breakfast, lunch and dinner. Any tips to get me out of this funk? Can't afford HelloFresh, et cetera, right now due to house move. Generally in a bit more of a funk due to having too much going on with my life right now and have no motivation slash goals. Okay, one, do the grad reset to give you some motivation and goals. Two, I really don't like prepping anything either. I'm probably the laziest cook in the world. I will spend max like 15 minutes making dinner, probably less than that. But what I will say is that my meals are significantly less tasty because of it. So you have to weigh those things up. But I really don't think lack of time is is an excuse for making meals anymore because there are so many like easy, quick. I mean, even if you just made tuna and pasta, like how long does that take? Literally, however long it takes you to cook the tuna, right? Put a whole load of veg in there. So there's your dinner. Or then change it to baked potato. Like you can't, again, that takes a while to cook, but you leave it in the oven, you go do something else, then it's ready. And then there are so many decent ready meals, like high protein ready meals. I can't remember, but it's like three for 10 pounds at whatever supermarket you go to. Maybe less if you go to certain supermarkets. Um, but those kind of things, like there's not, it's not really like a, a time constraint. It's not a lack of time. I just can't be asked. Yeah, fair. And same, right? I I don't really enjoy taking time to cook and I'm not someone who has a lot of time anyway. And with that spare time, I would rather do almost literally anything else. So I don't tend to spend a lot of time cooking, but you don't need to spend a lot of time cooking is my point. Like there are so many quick meals that you can make. I think there's even a BBC recipe thing that's like meals under... 20 minutes or something I can't remember the exact time but yeah I don't think like not having time or even just can't be asked like I can't be asked I basically have the same meal every night which is usually some kind of stir fry and just tuck it chuck it all in a stir fry make it done um ready meals might be a good shout I never use ready meals so didn't think about those yeah there's some quite good high protein ones I would suggest also making a load of veg and kind of bulking it out with veg because they don't they're normally, I like large portions, basically. They're normally like relatively small portions. So I would get whatever you want and then also have like a side salad or make some frozen veg or something, like put some veg in the microwave and then have it with that. So it doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't have to be a lot of effort. Wendy's saying, Liz, could you bulk cook and put it in the freezer? Yeah, I mean, Wendy, it's a good idea, but I'm, I'm with Liz in that I just can't be bothered, basically. But that is a good idea for anyone else who has slightly more motivation around cooking. Okay. Um, well, do you know what? I think I've got, have I got to the end of the, I have, I've got to the end of the questions. So um, Liz, oh, ready? Oh no, you've said that. Great ideas, thank you. You are very welcome. Right, if anyone doesn't have any questions, um, I'll blab for about five minutes and then I'll go. So if you're listening to this and you think you might be ready to sign up to the EC method and you haven't yet, you can now sign up. We start in four. No, we don't. I confused everyone saying that we started on the 8th. We don't. 8th is Saturday when you do get let into the Facebook group. But we actually start on the 10th, which is in six days. So get signed up. I think we are already 
significantly over half full. So make sure that you don't miss your space. Um, Lauren, I can't remember the last time I got to do a full workout without being interrupted by my baby. Oh, so such a drama queen. Um, The baby, not you, Lauren. Um, I try not to get frustrated and constantly have you in my head saying I will have gotten a huge benefit from 15 minutes. You absolutely will have. I do try and go back and finish my workout if I can. So my question is, what difference does it make doing a strength workout in two or three parts? P.S. I'm aiming to get time to myself to an actual gym in the next month or two. So I think we've had this discussion a couple of times. There are potential pros and cons to doing this. Um, I'm going to, well, I'll tell you both for full context. So the pros are essentially that let's say you did 15 minutes of a workout and then you had to, I don't know, go and change the baby. Your muscles are actually getting quite a lot of, I get like rest. Um, So it would mean in theory, you could go back and then lift heavier for the next half of your workout because you're kind of breaking it up. So that would be the benefit, actually, if you're breaking it up and that means that you lift heavier weights, your muscles have recovered more so that you can push harder when you go back to doing the next exercise, um, then you'll have increased total volume of weight lifted and actually you might even get better results from doing that. The negative is often that you kind of get like psychologically distracted and it's harder to reach through muscular fatigue if you're breaking up your workouts like that. So there are, there are two key drivers of hypertrophy. And actually the primary one is volume, total volume, but you also need total volume close to your maximal um, amount that you can lift. So you want to reach close to fatigue. So you're really, if you think about what you're doing to that muscle, like you're maximally stimulating it so you need to get it close to fatigue so you're putting as much stimulation on it or messages to it to grow as possible so the reason that splitting up your workout might have a negative impact there is that you don't actually reach full muscular fatigue however it's totally doable and now that you know that full muscular fatigue is something that you want to reach like you could even do a bit of a drop set or something at the end or like really just try and push yourself like realistically you can actually reach full muscular fatigue in two sets if you really push yourself and most people don't fully push themselves to fatigue and I mean fatigue with still good form but most people can probably do an extra two reps or so I did a post about this last week that if you're if you've been doing the same workout for a while and maybe unknowingly, you've kind of got a little bit complacent. Just try adding two extra reps to every, every exercise. And you'll see, actually, I could be pushing myself a little bit harder. And you'll feel like you've really worked yourself if you add those two extra reps. Lauren, yes, I feel like when it gets broken up, <clears throat> I'm not as fatigued as when I do the full workout can't be helped and I'm happy to do what I can for now we'll definitely see if I can add something in or push harder yeah I actually think so say you do I don't know three exercises then you have to go and do something else then you come back and you do the next three exercises really think about those next three exercises like am I in that last set especially like could I do an extra couple of reps and if you can do those extra couple of reps so you're really pushing that muscle to fatigue But yeah, it sounds like you're doing the best you can in the situation you are in. 
And like I said, in some ways, it actually might be a benefit. The reason that we probably wouldn't suggest that most of the time, like splitting your workout up into two throughout the day is partly like a time thing. And because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to go to the gym twice to do like two separate halves of a workout. And like I said, like your mental capacity to kind of get in it, get in the zone and then get out. Um, But yeah, there are potential benefits as well. So let's just focus on those. Maybe you'll get even better results, Lauren. Okay. I hope everyone has incredible days. If you have any questions, post them in the group. If you've not signed up to the next intake yet, sign up. Um, if you want to talk to me about signing up to the next intake, we are not quite sure, shoot me a message. I'm always happy to chat to you. If you want to DM me, the best place to DM me is Instagram. That is all I have to say. Have a lovely day. <laughs>